self-control on Thanksgiving weekend? Whose big idea was that? Oh my, self-control on Thanksgiving weekend. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time. It's so great to see you. And thanks so much for, for praying for me on my trip. I'll have more to share about that in the days ahead. But, but God is so good. And thanks for being here on this Thanksgiving weekend, all those that are watching online. As we wrap up our series on the fruit of the Spirit, how when you become a follower of Jesus, it's as if Jesus takes the Holy Spirit and plants it in our lives like a seed. And the Spirit becomes a root, and the root produces a vine, and the vine produces a branch, and the branch produces fruit. And every weekend we've been reading about that fruit in Galatians chapter 5. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Would you read that last line with me? There is no law against these things. Imagine if there was a law. Yeah, you know why I pulled you over? I'm giving you a ticket for being way too peaceful on the freeway. <laughs> or, okay, get in the back of the squad car. You've just been way too kind in public. Or, I'm sentencing you to 30 days in the big house for having way too much self-control. Can you imagine? There is no law against these kinds of things because there's something deep within the human heart that resonates. This is the way that life works best. And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about, well, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. My wife sent me a comic. You can see it right up here. It says, how to weigh yourself the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Have you ever lost your... Have you ever lost your self-control? Aside from the Thanksgiving table, have you ever been out of control? Way back when I was in college, it was in the Midwest, and I was driving down the street, and the street was covered in ice, and I wasn't used to driving on ice, and I went to downshift, and my car just started spinning and spinning and spinning. My angels were working overtime. It's a miracle I did not hit anyone or anything because I had no control. I was spinning out of control. Now, when I came to a stop, I was pointed somehow right to the place that I needed to turn. Well, the friend that I was with, she was impressed. She thought I was some kind of Hollywood stunt driver. And of course, I played the part. I just said, this is how we roll in California. Yeah, you know, this is how we roll. But on the inside, I was a nervous wreck. I was screaming like a baby because it's a very scary thing to be spinning out of control. 
And when your life is spinning out of control, you're eating or you're drinking or you're spending is out of control. Or you're addicted to your anger or your video games or being the center of attention. When your life is spinning out of control, it's a very scary place to be. We see an example of this in the Bible. There are two brothers in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Their names are Esau and Jacob. Esau is a little bit older than Jacob, and one day he's out doing his thing, and when he comes back, he's hungry. He's really hungry. As my grandson would say, he's hangry. And when he comes in, he notices that little brother Jacob is cooking something. It smells like stew. And so he asks little brother, I'm hungry. Could you give me some stew? And little brother says, sure, you can have some stew. If you give me your birthright, you can have some stew. What kind of little brother is that? Uh, the birthright in that day was a very big deal. And so, of course, Esau's not going to do this. Why would you give up your birthright for a pot of stew? It's not like you're starving to death. And so we expect Esau to say, go pound salt, little brother. There's no way I'm giving up my birthright for a bowl of soup. And yet he does. He takes the urgent instead of the important. And his lack of self-control leads to the loss of his birthright. Our lack of self-control can leave us vulnerable. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Because we're open up to all kinds of things. We're vulnerable to all kinds of things when we do not have self-control. But the good news today is that the Spirit is alive on the inside of us like a seed. Amen. And the Spirit can become a vine, and the vine become a, a branch, and the branch can produce the fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's what happened in the life of one young man here at Cathedral. I received his praise report recently, and his life was spinning, just spinning out of control. I mean, drugs, sex, violence, crime, gangs, just spinning out of control. But then on a weekend, four years ago, on a weekend, just like this weekend, he turned his life over to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And this is what he writes. He said, I told Jesus to take over my life and received the Holy Spirit. 
Since then I have been transformed into a new creation. I have been clean and sober. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That's self-control. I'm growing in my faith and learning to live life according to God's principles. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That's self-control. I serve in multiple ministries. Life is beautiful with God in it. I understand who I am and what my purpose on earth is. Cathedral has made a huge impact on my life and my family's life. Thank you. And Pablo is somewhere. Would you just stand up, Pablo? We celebrate with you, man, four years ago. Hallelujah. Yes. God is good. And all the time. That's why the Bible says it's better to win control over yourself, to be able to have dominion over yourself, to be able to master yourself than over whole cities. And so how can we, because I'm sure when we all look at our lives, we can see areas, whoa, I could use a little more self-control over here. What does self-control look like and how can we cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that we can see the fruit of self-control show up in our lives. Well, there are four suggestions that are on your outline, and let's look through those together. The first one is this, that self-control is about keeping the good in its place. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, everything is permissible for me, But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Would you say that with me? I will not be mastered by anything. Make it your faith declaration today. One more time. I will not be mastered by anything. I heard about a preacher who was preaching a sermon on the importance of moderation. He talked about never overdoing it. Don't overdo it. Always practice moderation in sleep, moderation in eating, moderation in working, moderation and in play, moderation. On and on for two hours, he preached about the subject of moderation and not overdoing it. And at the end of his sermon, he's shaking hands at the back door, and a little old lady says, Pastor, that was a great sermon, but I think you overdid it. (laughs) Moderation. See, self-control is about practicing moderation and not overdoing it. Because even a good thing, when you take it to excess... Even a good thing can become an idol. There's a, years ago, there was a, a, a thing in culture about collecting books. It was a very big deal. It was called bibliomania. People were into collecting lots of books. And there was a novel that was written about it. And in the novel, it talks about a man who wanted to collect a copy of every book that had ever been written. And so you could look at his walls, and there were first editions lining the walls. And then the books began to fill up tables and begin to 
be stacked on the floor. And then they took over one room and then another room and then another room. And eventually he moved his wife into the garage. Hello. His wife has a nervous breakdown, and the, the novel really gives us a picture of a man who is out of control. He no longer possessed his books. The books possessed him. And what moderation is, well, it's making sure that the good gift of God does not replace the God of the good gift, that the passion doesn't become an obsession, and the obsession begins to enslave you, and before you know it, you're bowing down to the obsession, and it becomes a false god in your life, and what moderation does is it makes sure that the good gift of God does not replace the God of the good gift. That there's only one thing I will serve in my life. There's only one person I will serve in my life, and his name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah! His name is Jesus. The Bible says, plant your feet firmly, therefore, within the freedom that Christ has won for us. And do not let yourselves be caught again in the shackles of slavery. I will not be mastered by anything except Jesus. So what's one activity for maintaining moderation? Here's an idea that you can try. Practice the discipline of fasting. Fasting is when you you voluntarily abstain from an activity for a spiritual purpose. For example, we live here in the hub of the high-tech universe, and we're all connected to technology. Well, what if we all did this? Because maybe we're all a little addicted to technology. So here's an idea. What if one day a week, or if not that, maybe one day a month, you just live that day unplugged? Are you kidding me, Ken? I mean it. You just, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, no texting. For one day, you live that day unplugged, And you just say to God, God, I enjoy technology, I love technology, but I am not ruled by technology. You are the only ruler in my life, and I worship you this day, amen. Hallelujah. I will not be mastered by anything. Say that with me. I will not be mastered by anything. That's self-control. Now, here's the the next idea when it comes to self-control. Self-control is about keeping the bad in its place. Keeping the bad in its place. In Galatians 5, 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. The wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Committing sexual sin, being morally bad, 
doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble, being jealous, angry, or selfish, causing people to argue and divide into separate groups, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, and doing other things like this. Because you were called to be free. Say that with me. You were called to be free. I am called to be free. Say it with me. I am called to be free. And the Bible says, use your freedom not to indulge yourself. Use your freedom to control yourself. Because when Paul was writing these words, there was a group of people, and their philosophy of life was indulge yourself. Because the material world didn't really matter. And so whatever you felt like doing, go ahead and do it. The goal of life is not to control yourself. The goal of life is to indulge yourself. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. Does anybody remember the song that went to the top of the charts? It's my prerogative. It goes this way. It says, it's the way I want to live. It's my prerogative. I can do just what I feel. It's my prerogative. No one can tell me what to do. It's my prerogative. The goal of life isn't to control yourself. The goal of life is to indulge yourself. And then the Bible gives this different way of thinking that you are free. And use your freedom to control yourself. Instead of indulging yourself, use your freedom to control yourself. How do we do that? How do we do that? Here's one idea to give to you, and I encourage you to write this down. The idea is this. You were called to be free, so put yourself in position to succeed. Put yourself in position to succeed. There was a, a mom who was making cookies, and when she was done making the cookies, she put them in the cookie jar, and, and she told her little boy, she said, now listen, you know, I don't want you getting into those cookies before dinner, so you stay away from those cookies. And the little boy said, okay, mom. Well, mom was around the house cleaning and doing other things, and then she heard some commotion in the kitchen. And so she called in and said, now... Honey, I told you, you know, don't, don't get into the cookies before dinner. I hope you're not in those cookies. And the little boy said, well, Mom, my hand's in the jar, but I'm resisting temptation. <laughs> now, what's going to happen if he keeps his hand in the jar? He's going to give in. Put yourself in position to succeed. And that means as far as is possible, as much as is possible, remove the temptation. Stay away from the temptation. Get your hand out of the jar and get away from that temptation as best as you can. As my friend Pastor Shelley puts it, don't go there, girlfriend, right? 
You know, there's been some interesting research on the whole subject of willpower. And what they've found is that willpower is a little bit like a muscle. What is willpower like? It's a little bit like a muscle. And we know how muscle works. If you exercise a muscle, that's how you strengthen it. But have you, have you ever exercised a muscle too much and where you fatigue it and it gets worn out? And they said the same thing can happen to willpower. If you have your hand in the cookie jar all day and all night and all week and all month, it fatigues your willpower and you're putting yourself in position to lose. So instead, here at Cathedral of Faith, God has called us to win. Can somebody say amen? amen. God has called us to be winners. And so we're going to put ourselves in position to succeed. And as best as we can, we're going to remove the temptation and stay as far away as we can. Don't go there, girlfriend. Victory and freedom is what we're aiming for because we are called to be free and to live in freedom. Let's give God praise. Amen. We're called to live in freedom. Hallelujah. I am called to be free. Say that with me. I am called to be free. We really are. So how, what is, can self-control look like? Well, here's another way of thinking about self-control. Self-control is about keeping desire in its place. It's about keeping desire in its place. Look at what the Bible says about desire. It says, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, because God is good, and all the time, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. When it comes to desire, let me explain it this way right up here. That when you were born, God gives you certain instincts certain desires and there are some religions that teach that the the aim of life that if you get rid of all of desire that's what will give you self-control remove desire and you'll have self-control but that's a little bit like taking a computer and removing the motherboard from the computer I mean, if you remove the motherboard from the computer, you still have a shell of a computer, but it's not functioning like it was meant to be. And so God puts desire on the inside of us. It's part of what makes us fully human. And that the goal then is to fulfill that God-given desire in the right way. But what temptation does is this. It appeals to that desire and it lures it, and it entices it, and it gets you to try to fulfill that desire in the wrong way. Do we have any fishermen in the house? Anybody go fishing every once in a while? You know, I, I heard about a, a man who was going ice fishing, 
And so he was out there and he drilled a hole right here in the ice. And he heard a voice say, there's no fish in there. And so he walked over here and he drilled another hole in the ice. And he heard a voice say, there's no fish in there either. So he walks over here and he drills a hole in the ground and he hears another voice. There's no fish in there either. And so the man looks up into the sky and says, is this God? And the voice says, no, this is the ice rink manager. See what you hate. Missed it by that much, see? You hate when that happens. Now, if you've been fishing, you know how this works, that there is bait and the bait looks good and smells good. The fish sees the bait. But when the fish takes the bait, what happens? He finds out there's a hook inside the bait. And that hook is attached to the line. And the line's attached to the pole. And the pole's attached to the fisherman. And at the end of the day, there's a frying pan waiting. <laughs> right? Well, when it comes to self-control... See, the devil puts the bait out there, and he never tells you about the hook. All he shows you is the bait. He never tells you the truth about the hook inside the bait. And one of the best things you can do to resist the temptation is to combat the lie of the enemy with the truth. There's a hook inside that bait. Say that with me. There's a hook inside that bait. Say it again. There's a hook inside that bait. That if I take that bait, oh my, there's a hook inside the bait. The bait's connected to a line. The line's connected to a pole. The pole's connected to the devil. And at the end of the day, there's a frying pan in his hand. And thanks be to God... Because of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, we can have victory. We can see through the lies of the enemy with the truth of God. There's a hook inside that bait. Say it with me. There's a hook inside that bait. The Bible says, control yourselves and be careful. The devil is your enemy. And he goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack and eat. There's a hook inside that bait. But if we combat the lie of the enemy with the truth of the word of God, through the power of the spirit, we can have victory in Jesus. The devil may be a lion, but Jesus has pulled all of his teeth. Amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how can we build more self-control? How can we cooperate with the spirit who's producing self-control in our lives? You know, we can, we can aim for moderation uh, through the practice of fasting. And we can, you know, we can stay away from the bad by removing temptation from ourselves when possible. Getting away from that jar as far as we can. And then we can, we can remind ourselves that there's a hook inside that bait and God's a good God and wants to rescue us from that kind of life. And then finally, self-control is about discipline. Self-control is about discipline. Discipline, having discipline in its place. There's a, a video that I saw of a very disciplined dog 
Watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. You're not going to eat that, are you, Clark? Nope. Because you're focused and you're disciplined and you know that you are not going to eat that until I say, go. That's one disciplined dog, huh? Well, when it comes to discipline, listen to what 1 Corinthians 9 says. It says, every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last. But we do it for one that will last forever. That is why I run straight for the finish line. That is why I'm like a boxer who does not waste his punches. I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control. Complete control. Dr. Wayne mentioned it earlier, and I I just want to also give a props to the Cathedral of Faith family. It was our goal. This was a huge goal to try and have 300 people come out from the Cathedral of Faith for the turkey trot, and we didn't hit our goal. We went way past it. We had 350. Can we give God praise? (laughs) Hallelujah. Way to go, Cathedral family. And just on a side note, there were so many personal stories. I talked to one guy who, from the church, he came up to me after the race, and he told me that because of diabetes, he had lost some of his toes, and he asked the VA if he could participate in the race. He wanted to so bad. And the VA gave him the okay, and afterwards he finished the race, and he looked at me with big tears in his eyes, and he was so happy to be able to participate All I've got to say is the Cathedral family is the greatest family in all the world. Let's give God praise one more time for the amazing church family we have. Amen. And you can see some pictures up here. Here's me and my daughter, my grandson, Dr. Wayne. And here's a little part of the group that ran. And and right here, this guy in the middle, this is the guy who won the race. He ran three miles. Right, his name is Sam Parsons. He ran three miles in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. That guy is a serious runner. I can't drive my car that fast. I mean, that, that guy's a serious runner. You know, by the time I finished, he had finished Thanksgiving dinner. He's a, he's a serious runner. And when you look at a serious runner like that, Here's the thing about somebody that's serious, serious, not casual like me, but serious. He does crazy things. He gets up in the morning and runs when he doesn't feel like it. He eats oatmeal for breakfast when he doesn't feel like it. He does what needs to be done now So that when race day comes, 13 minutes and 47 seconds. And that's what discipline is. Discipline is doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And here's what the Apostle Paul does. He says, okay, this idea of self-control as the fruit of the Spirit... I'm going to take that same word and I'm going to use it to describe what an athlete does when he's training to go after his dream. And then I'm going to borrow that 
and I'm going to say this is the way that we should live because God has great dreams ahead for us. And by the grace of God, if we can take hold of discipline and do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, we are on our way to 13 minutes, 47 seconds for the glory of God and the purpose of God in our lives. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, as the the team starts to get ready for this final song we're going to do that celebrates self-control. You know, maybe a big goal and a big dream for you that God has for you is for you to be financially free. And when you talk to people about being financially free, especially students that are carrying student debt, it just seems like it's so far out there. And sometimes when it seems so far out there, I ask God, to give me a miracle in my finances, and then what God does, he gives me the miracle of self-control so I can have the miracle in my finances. And that's what happened to a young lady who's a part of the church family. She went through our Financial Peace University, and and God began to give her self-control. She had a vision, a dream, of hitting that finish line and being financially free. And this is what she writes. She said, it feels amazing to see that I can be completely debt-free in less than two years, including student loans of $26,000 and a car loan of $12,000. Thank you for the class. It changed my life forever. Let's give God praise, amen. When I see the goal, God gives me the discipline. Bow your heads for just a moment. Those watching online, all those on campus, if you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, I need to take the first step. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That he is the vine, we are the branches. And if we are connected to him, then we'll produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But today you need to get connected to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Every journey, it starts with a step, just like Pablo four years ago. And today's the day you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Would you slip up your hand and say, Pastor Ken, that's me today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Right here, God bless you. God bless you. Right over here, up in the balcony. Man, this is your day. This is your day. This is always the first step. How do I begin to take more control of my life? I surrender control to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite you, Lord Lord Jesus, thank you so much for those who are beginning that journey with you today. Lord, as they're receiving you as Savior and putting you in charge of their lives, surrendering their lives to you, God, And I pray that this is the start of a new day for them. And for all of us, God, that you would give us a vision that not only is our past forgiven, but we can have power in our present so that our future can be different. And so, Lord, we ask you to give us self-control and that this week, this season, this next year, by the grace of your Holy Spirit, 
that you would help us to to become fruitful for your kingdom and for your glory. Jesus, you've called us to be free. You are the chain breaker. And I believe that even now you're speaking freedom over people's lives. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, with with everybody's heads bowed and and eyes closed, I want to take just a moment feeling feeling a bit of a a, a nudge here. And again, we we get real here at Cathedral. We're all on the journey together. And if you say, hey, Pastor, can you know really, man, when it comes to self-control, I... You know, I, I, have, I have real challenges with my anger. Would you just slip up your hand? Just again, this is just you and me being real. God bless you. Mm. How about Pastor Ken? You know, I, I just have some real challenges when it comes to, you know, drug issues, opiates, other kinds of stuff, man. It just, boy, it's a beast. And I'm battling that. Would you slip up your hand and say, hey, Pastor Ken, that's me today. Anybody'd say that's yeah, that's that's me just being real. Thank you, Lord. Anybody just just getting real that you got to check in your spirit that there's something about you and and just being addicted to the approval that you find on the internet. Just whether it's Instagram, something else, but it's got such a part of your, you find that you're spending so much, and you say, you know, boy, it's just not healthy, and I need to have better control over that. Just lift up your hand real high. Say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Anybody would say, hey, Ken, that's, that's just where I'm at today. Hmm. Thank you again, God, that you've called us to freedom and that you are the chain breaker. And Lord, I pray wherever we're battling that we would find freedom in Jesus Lord, thank you, Jesus. Give us a new vision of the future. All God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody stand with me, please. I've asked Pastor Vaughn to sing a song. I want you to celebrate with me the freedom that we have in Jesus. I am called to be free. Say that with me. I am called to be free. Pastor Vaughn, sing freedom today. Amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, and if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, well, there's a better life. There's a better life Cause if you got pain He's a pain tamer And if you feel lost He's a way maker And if you need freedom Or saving He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker search for the light of day in the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight and we've all run to things we know that just ain't right but there's a better life do you believe that today
you can feel it. Somebody testify. Let me see them hands. Come on. Say, if you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. what the Bible says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is our destiny. Amen. Amen. 